Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. This is this grouping of verses is something that we need to always reflect on, and we're going to look at Romans chapter eight, and we're going to just try to set in context verses five through ten, maybe push down into thirteen, but start in verse five, Romans chapter eight, verse five. If you've never read the book of Romans or studied it, uh, you should take the opportunity to do that. Dead to us, alive to Christ. This may give an answer to some of us as to why we do the things we do that we don't want to do, as the Apostle Paul said. He struggled with why the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And so even the Apostle Paul struggled with these things. So I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. This is something for all of us today. So I'll read it in, a, in just a, a surface level, and then we'll go through the verses. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 10 to 13. It says, For those who live according to the flesh... Somebody's going, oh man, I should have come today. <laughs> For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, Spirit set there, somebody say minds, minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Now he's making a little transition here talking more to unbelievers. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He's going to make it, we're going to break this down into see in the flesh or living in the flesh or living by the flesh. It, okay. Um, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Say, I'm in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So these verses deal with a life lived in the flesh and its result and a life lived in the spirit and its result. Um, and Paul writes this as if he expects us as believers to, uh, that our ordinary life should be a life that's lived according to the Spirit. Um, which involves one of the songs that Pastor Todd sang, and we heard the word holiness. This involves holiness. It's a, it's a word and that just doesn't seem to hold uh, power or the depth that it needs to in the church today. Um, we talked last week about people running to hear teachers that tickle their ears. Um, they want to they want to amass themselves around teachers that talk to them and preach to them what they want to hear. 
And most people don't want to come into church and hear how we are supposed to live a holy life. A lot of people adopt their own theologies within the Word of God, that the Bible says I can do this, I can do anything I want as long as. But God's a holy God. And of all things that it uses three times in the Word of God to describe God is the word holy. never says He's loved three times anywhere in the Bible, but it does say He's holy. So God is a holy God. And I believe there's some kind of expectation for us to live a life that is holy, and then that, that then would be a life that is pleasing to Him. So this is not only in actions and words, but also in the thoughts that fill our minds each moment of the day. It's even the way we think. Amen? So, living according to the Spirit causes Christ-likeness or righteousness to work its way out in invisibility. You're going to see this coming out of a life that's lived by the Spirit. You're going to see Christ-likeness. You're going to see righteousness manifested. You're going to see a person who's walking sanctified. In actions and deeds... Thoughts, we're acting like Christ. Amen? That is walking by the Spirit. That is living in the Spirit. Acting like Christ. When it happens, when we do not live according to our sinful nature, but we live according to the Spirit, we live out lives that reflect Christ. So verses 5 through 10 expound and explain these two possibilities, living in the Spirit or living in the flesh. And, and just being a Christian, and you believe this, say amen, doesn't mean that automatically you begin to look, act, and talk, and think, and react like Jesus all the time. <laughs> Heard a couple amens. So let me say amen to that. Because none of you do. And neither does I. Amen. Um, when we get saved, when I got saved, there were, there were th- I, there's aspects of my life that, bang, they were gone. I mean, they were gone. Now, there's other things that trail on that you... And so we're, we're not always going to act like we're supposed to act. Does that give anybody any relief today? Uh, so no judgment on that, but we're going to get a little bit of judgment today, though. So when we are redeemed, we are linked with Christ. And, uh, but we may not act like that all the time. And for some, it happens quicker. And for some, it happens more often. We cannot give ourselves an out, though, and say, well, you know, I'll eventually get there. We are supposed to, we work so hard to do good at so many things. We are supposed to be striving for excellence in this above all things. Striving to be more Christ-like, amen? And we wonder why is that important? Not just important for our lives, it's important for non-believers. They need to see people who live like Christ. I, I still don't understand, how can I affect the life of an, un- of an unbeliever if I act like an unbeliever, yet I say I'm saved? How does that help anybody? Why do kids not want to go to church a lot of times? Because their parents don't act like they're saved, yet they're saved. So then the kid goes, I don't want to go to church. Didn't do anything for them. So why should I go? It's not going to do anything for me. Not that it's based on church. It's based on your relationship with Christ. That's the way people think. So it depends on whether you're walking or I put the word behaving according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Do you behave according to the flesh or the spirit. And we're not always in the spirit. Somebody say amen. Um, we would like to be, how many of y'all would like to always be walking in the spirit? Life would be a lot different at, through certain seasons, amen. 
Um, so let's look at verse 5 again. It says, those who, live according, um, those who live according to the sinful nature or the flesh, have their, this, is, this is the key here, have their minds set on, on what that nature desires, but those who live accord, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So there is the difference. Your mind is set on what are you thinking about all through the day? What do you, uh, what's important to you? How do you view life? How, what do you think is important uh, about what you're doing day to day? What do you think about? How does your mind think? Because it's what we set our mind on that depends on whether we're in the flesh or in the spirit. And someone says, well, does that mean we can't have any fun? Does that mean we've got to constantly be, you know, like a monk going off into some kind of cave and we're always praying? No, we still live life, but we live it with a different mindset. We live it with a different mindset. We want our mind to be governed by the Spirit. We want God's viewpoint. So what does it mean to have a mind that's set on the Spirit? It means that in the midst of making money, is making money good? Yeah. I mean... Anybody here don't want any money? <laughs> I mean, you know, we get this bad connotation that because I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to have any money. Or I'm a preacher that I'm not supposed to have any. Hey, man, you know, you want to give me some money, I'll take it. Uh, I want to make money. And that's a good thing. So along the lines of making money, it's, is it okay to have fun? That's a good thing to have fun. Is it okay to fulfill things in our lives that, you know, that we want to do? It's a good thing. It's okay to have a, you know, whatever you like to do. That's, that's, that's okay. As long as in the midst of life, your mind is still primarily concerned with reaching lost souls and ultimately giving God glory, speaking truth, being kind to other people. As long as our mind is set on the things of God, and that's the difference between us as believers and those who are not believers, their mind's set on making the money, having the fun, and fulfilling their desires without a mindset that's, that's meditating and linked to the things of God. And I started thinking, and it hit me. I'm sure you all are like this too, but I even thought about some of the stuff I do with the security stuff and stuff at the range, all that, that... I, I, I at least know, I enjoy doing those things, but I at least use my life to be a light and to, I'm still pondering lost souls. I am still have my mind set on even the people that maybe I'm around and they're not saved or whatever. So that's, that's the concept. That's the idea here. It's not just that I'm going out and having fun, making money, but my mind is set on the things of God. And what's God's heart? Ultimately, what's God's heart? Reaching lost people. His ultimate thing that he did, the Father sent the Son to reach lost people. So we need to be, as believers, always having a mindset. And here's a kicker. And um, that's why it's so important for us to live lives that look like we have been transformed. Because our lives are supposed to be affecting non-believers. If you want an open door to witness to somebody, live a life that's so drastically different from what the world is, and it's going to cause people to wonder, what, talk to me. So the problem, again, with the secular worldview is they're not concerned with the things of God while they're making money and while they're having their fun. And we always want our lives to glorify God. So our mind is always set on, although I'm doing these things in life, I still want to make sure that through them I am glorifying 
God. And when your mind is set on the Spirit, you look at the events of life from God's point of view, not from the world's point of view. Amen? Very, very important. So, in seeking to fulfill our needs, God needs to be glorified. That's the mindset we have. How can God be glorified in my life today? What a great thing to say to yourself when you wake up in the morning. How can God be glorified in my life today as I go off to work, as I produce for my family, or as whatever you do, as I go on my day, how can God be glorified with my life today as I'm intermingling with the world? How can God be glorified? How can I make my life glorifying to God? That's what makes a difference, that our mind is set on the Spirit it does not remove us from life. It puts us right back into life, but it puts us back into life the proper way. So we live our lives in the marketplace of life, yet we live them with a mindset on the Spirit. Somebody say amen to that. Great stuff. Uh, verse 6, he the Apostle Paul describes the results you can expect from either of the two courses that he's outlined in verse 5. So he then says in verse 6, the mind of... The sinful man is death. And hold on a minute when we talk about what death means. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Someone says, I don't want to be controlled by anybody. Well, you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what he's come into our lives to do, is to control us. Amen. Control me. Oh, God, please, control me. Let me give in to your control. And let me yield to that. Um, and let me change this to a more accurate uh, um, um, translation, the thinking of the flesh is death, but the thinking of the spirit is life and peace. The thinking of the flesh is death. So what happens when we as Christians let ourselves or our, let our lives live like the world does and we never bring in the perspective of God in anything that we do? What, 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 what happens? What is that? Well, we're, we, are, we are believers who are living according to the flesh. I see a lot of stuff that people who are not, and uh, saved, let's, let's believe they're saved, <laughs> that, and here's a big one, nobody get mad at me and nobody go whatever, here's a big one, this is a huge one, okay, and somebody's going to, is that, is this living together, it's this, um, and we've had them in, come into our church and they live in together and obviously when someone lives together, there's hanky-panky happening, amen? So, you know, and, it, and it's not a, and for some it's not this thought that, you know, wow, God, you know, no one's ever talked to them that God's a holy God and you need to, there's things we need to get right, but that's how believers get into a mindset where they're not thinking of the things of the spirit, they're thinking of the things of the flesh and, 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 and the many other things that all of us can get into as men and women of God. Have you ever wondered, what in the world am I doing? Why did I just say that? Why did I just react like that? I will tell you right now before I get into any more notes. If I am not praying like I should be, my foundation for life is prayer. That's right. I, my, I, have, I set a life um, as a believer in early morning prayer at the very beginning of my salvation experience, a year after I got saved. You've heard my testimony. I got sick of living up and down riding on the roller coaster of life. I was on fire for God, but I wasn't spending, I'd not yet been taught how to pray. I'd not yet been taught to get, to spend time with God. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. So once I got a hold of that, now it's my responsibility. 
So once I kind of learned, so to speak, air, air quotes, once I kind of learned how to pray, prayer became the foundation of my life. And when I get busy or whatever and I don't pray, I will tend to move towards the flesh easier. Somebody say amen. Really? <gasps> yes. It happens to everybody. And you're thinking, man, I never pray. Well, then you're probably in the flesh quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know. That's just the way it works with me. So if I'm not, if I'm not praying and I'm not in the Word, uh-oh, the Bible i got to read. If you read the Word, it keeps you, it's a, it's a light unto your path. It's a lamp unto your feet. It keeps you going in the right direction. So if we're not doing the spiritual things, if we're not doing the heavy lifting that it takes to live a life of holiness and pleasing before God, then we're not going to be reacting the way that we should be, acting the way that we should be, and we find ourselves doing things where we literally question ourselves, how in the world, why am I doing this? Act, why, am I, why do I think like this? Why do I feel like this? Um, Christians are discouraged. They're, and we're going to see, that's because we live according to the flesh. It brings death. And we're going to look at what death actually means in this present context. And that's the way it leads our lives. Amen? We need to have a, a desire to wake up every morning and live in the Spirit. Amen? So it says the thinking of the flesh is death. In other words, this is the result that comes right now into our lives. As we think fleshly as believers, which is not, you ever heard a term, that's not becoming of a, that's not becoming of an officer? Or is that the term or something like that? Well, it's not becoming of a believer to not act like a believer. It's, what does death mean here? Um, well, if you study through the scriptures, you'll find in this context, in this present experience, that the word death always comes down to four basic things. Fear. People who live in the flesh as believers will live in a root of fear many times in their lives, which extends into a lot of different areas of life. The other one is guilt. If you're living in the flesh, not controlled by the Spirit, guilt. Another one's hostility. Another one is emptiness. Fear, guilt, hostility, and emptiness. So in the context where he's talking about death, he wasn't talking to unbelievers there. He's talking to believers there. So death, this flesh thinking, brings into our lives can bring in all of them or some of them or a mix of them, fear, guilt, hostility, and emptiness. And even a believer who's not living according to the Spirit can live and feel like they're living a very empty life. A very empty life. Um, when you have your mind set on the things of the flesh, those are the things that come into your life. Fear, guilt, hostility, and emptiness. So what is then living with your mind on the Spirit? Um, it's facing all these things, living, having fun, making money, fulfilling yourself, but realizing that God is at work in all of it. Amen? Even when you're driving to your workplace, do you ever just thank God you got a job? Even when any income in, comes into your life, do you just thank God that the money was even there? Every day should be a memorial day, so to speak, of remembering what Christ did for you, that you have the things you have because he did it for you. So what will be the result of this kind of living in the Spirit? How many of y'all want this? It produces life and peace. Yes. Somebody say, I want that. I want that. 
If you don't want it, you're not going to say it. If you want to say, I want that. Because something happens when you speak it. Do you want it? Life in peace. That's what happens when you live in the Spirit. Life in peace. Two marvelous qualities of life. Life in peace. What is life? So if I can summarize all, what all the scriptures say about on this aspect of life, it includes four basic things that are opposite to the qualities to death. So if death is fear, then life, this is awesome, is trust, hope, and confidence. You live in the Spirit. You live, in a, you live a life of confidence in God. You just feel. Let me ask you this. If, you've never, if you're not praying and you're living in the flesh, yet you can hopefully remember sometime when you really did live in the Spirit, did you feel a lot stronger then? Yeah. A lot more confident in your walk with God then? It changes your perspective on life. Um, if death is guilt, then life is a feeling of acceptance, security, and assurance. That's why I've run into so many believers who are believers who are living in the flesh doubt their salvation. Because if you're living in the flesh, there's a fear there. But for those who live in the spirit, there is an ex- there, there is a there is a sense of security. Mm-hmm. How many of y'all are saved in here? I'm going to tell you whether you're in the flesh. You might, be, you might be in the flesh right now and not liking me and not liking what I'm preaching, and you may be in the flesh going, oh, I'm going to get that guy. But hopefully if you're in the spirit right now, it brings acceptance. Know that you are accepted into the Father's sheepfold. Amen? Live in his security and assurance. If death is hostility, then love, then life is love, friendliness, kindness, and reaching out to others. People who get in the flesh, even as believers, get very hostile. They get mean. Really? Christians get mean? (laughs) If death is emptiness, then life is a sense of, I love this, it's a sense of well-being, fulfillment, excitement, vitality, and fullness of life. I want to live a life with a mindset of vitality. Amen? I take really good vitamins and they make me feel good. To live in the Spirit gives me great vitality. Amen? Life comes with its peace. It brings an inner calm, quiet spirit, a remarkable sense of being able to handle and cope with the things of life. Walking in the Spirit gives you strength to cope with things of life. When you're in the... Come on, y'all, help me. When you're in the flesh, we freak out about a lot of stuff, amen? But he doesn't stop with that. In verse 7, he says, this is what happens when your mind is set on the things of the flesh. It's because the sinful mind or the thinking of the flesh is hostile to God. And know this about yourself when you're in the flesh. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. When you are in the flesh, you're being disobedient to God. You're not submitting to God's word, God's law. That's how serious that is. We are supposed to be living in the spirit. And again, we all go there. And that's what's wrong. The mindset on the flesh brings death because it's hostile to God. And it can't obey the law. It opposes. Have you ever been in the flesh as a Christian? You can raise your hand or say amen or don't say anything. Have you ever been in the flesh as a believer? And... um, you almost didn't want to let the Word of God tell you to do what you know you needed to do. 
you know, baby, you're in the flesh. Amen. And you're being disobedient to God's word. You're opposing God's word. Amen. You can still be saved. Praise the Lord. Thank God he allows that to happen. Uh, so the mind that is set on the spirit pleases God. So it's not like God likes you, doesn't like you. But your life and the spirit and the way you're thinking and living, it pleases God. The other way, it's being hostile to God, being disobedient. And then he brings in this verses 8 and 9. And like a parenthesis here, he um, brings us in because he wants us to show us the difference between a Christian who lives according to the flesh and a non-Christian who is in the flesh. So he kind of gives us this difference here. And these are entirely different terms, and they need to be um, carefully recognized. So verses 8 and 9, now he starts into this aspect. Those controlled by their sinful nature, literally it is those who are in the flesh, who live in the flesh, cannot please God. Then he's saying, but you, all you out there, you, however, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. Some of you say, I'm not, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And then he's giving us really clear, making it plain, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. No Spirit, no Jesus. No Spirit, not saved. Everybody has the Spirit at the moment of salvation. If you didn't, you wouldn't be saved. You get saved, Holy Spirit comes into your life. So let me say amen to that. But here's the thing, and I've had to learn this. Um, you cannot tell if a person is a Christian by what he or she does at any given moment. Right? Um, he or she, I always say he, he or she, to the ladies out there, may do exactly the same things as a non-Christian. And he or she may be very cruel. Ever met a cruel Christian? Vindictive? Ever met a vindictive Christian? That's why some people, they don't go to church. Because they identify not a relationship with Christ. They identify everything with this group of people. And not everybody in the church is part of the body of Christ. Only those who are saved are part of the body which makes up the church. A church filled with people, whether it be 10,000 people, doesn't mean everybody in that church is part of the body. And people get hurt, whether it's by a non-believer or whether it's by a believer who hurts their feelings. And I've probably hurt people's feelings before. Um, They may do the same thing as a non-Christian. Cruel, vindictive, natural, or lustful. Sinful in every way, but they're still saved. But they're living in the flesh. Living according to the flesh. It's amazing. So there's non-Christians, though, on the other end of the spectrum who are more kind, more thoughtful, and more gracious than many Christians. And those are the people we look at and go, oh, they're so nice and pleasant. Surely they must be Christians. But if they don't have the Spirit, they're not God's. You can have some really nice non-Christians. So we have this kind of thing where who is and who isn't, and I don't know why you're, but we have to leave it all to God, and we have to leave it in the hands as I give you this, that I'm giving it to people that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to be a person who's moving forward in my sanctification process, and I am looking more like Christ every single day. 
yes, we're going to have times where we slip. And something comes along, and, and if you have a temper thing, then you're going to rah! Or if you have a whatever thing, it's going to be a rah! Or whatever is your thing, you're going to probably do that sometime after this service. It's our desire, it should be our desire to live like Christ. And I hope this is helping somebody who wonders, am I saved, but I act like this? Well, maybe you really are, but you're just living in the flesh. Right? Sometimes you know people that know they're in the flesh, and some people aren't. They're not in a place where they've been taught or learned yet enough that there is a growth process. Some people grow very quickly. Some people grow slower. That's not something to commend yourself on. It's something that we need to change and grow quicker. That's why we get in the Word, and that's why we pray. So... There's this difference, Paul says. There's a difference between those who have Christ or have the Spirit or those who don't. And believe me, those who have the Spirit will eventually make great changes in their lives. Because if you have the Spirit in you, He's going to be prompting you. You're going to feel Him being grieved. He's there. So to anybody out there, you ain't been acting right. Um, It's a new day. Make a determined decision you're going to live in the Spirit. Rectify those things of the flesh. Get them under the blood. You should confess them today before you go home. Get it right. And when you walk out that door, walk out that door determined, I'm going to live according to the Spirit. I'm going to please God. I'm going to please God with the way I live my lives. And if there's anybody we should want to please with our lives, even more than our husbands, our wives, our friends, our workmates, or our bosses, is is God the Father. Amen. We want to be good children. We, 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 he loves us as much all the time, but we want to be children that are effective. Amen. So the other one who doesn't know Christ will eventually get worse and worse. And uh, So a Christian can live according to the flesh, flesh even though he is not, quote-unquote, in the flesh. And those distinctions have to be made very clearly. So now he comes to the end in verses 10 and 11, his conclusion in this matter, and this is what he says. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead. Somebody says, man, I feel like it. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> but if Christ is in you, and not of, you know, we're not old like John, and John probably, I'm just kidding. John just had a birthday. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of bad eating? No, it's because of sin. Amen. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. And if the spirit, here's, this is awesome. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So the way that Christ lives in you is through the spirit. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you great statement amen what a great statement christ is in us yes our body is dead because of sin Um, and the problem then is that our bodies are unredeemed why do i do the things that i do why do i do things i don't want to do and i don't do things i know i should do because we live in these bodies of unredeemed flesh our spirit is alive it's saved it's redeemed 
but we live in these bodies. I don't know why God had it that way. He just does. And we struggle every day of our Christian life with our flesh wanting its tendencies. But we have to overcome it. And this is telling you that because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, that spirit gives you the ability to have victory over your flesh. So what you think you are controlled by, think of all the things. Christians get controlled by depression, drug addiction. I mean, there are so many things they get controlled by. You can break free of that and have victory in those areas because of the spirit of Christ that resides in you today. And that's the joy of being a Christian. You're alive, man. You're alive. You live a life that's alive. It's alive. You can live a great, abundant, prosperous, wonderful life. There's so many opportunities for us. There's so many doors. There's so many things that we can push through. Even at the age I'm at, I'm new horizons, new doors, new opportunities. If I just take the time and the energy to push on through them, amen, and make them ava- that are available to me and capitalize on them, uh, they are there. And uh, the body gives us trouble all day not just from aches and pains and arthritis, uh, but it tempts us, it uh, confounds us, confuses us, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. I'm alive, I'm alive. I'm victorious, I'm a man of God. I can find victory over all this stuff. Amen? I think I'm happier than you are. And uh, the Spirit of God within us is stronger than the sin that is in our bodies. I don't have to succumb to it. Spirit of God within me is stronger than the sin in our bodies. When we're not in the Spirit, though, we give in to the flesh. That's why, y'all, you've got to be praying. You've got to be sitting under worship music. You've got to be listening to the things of God. You listen to mine or other, whatever edifies you. Listen to things, read things, audible things. Get this in you so you're listening to things that are uplifting to you. Amen? That are keeping you in the spirit. Somebody say amen to that. Therefore, we have the strength to control our body. Body, stop it. Body, uh uh-uh. You're not going to get me to do that. I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to react that way. I'm not going to talk to my wife like that. I'm not going to disrespect my husband like that. So here's the thing, moving toward a close. We don't have to let our eyes look at wrong things. You need to have the bounce attitude. You need, we live in a life and there's visual stuff. Your eyes just bounce, bounce, bounce away from it. We don't have to let our tongues speak evil, hurtful, sarcastic, and vicious things. Husbands, we don't have to let them lie. We can say no to that. Amen? We don't have to let our ears hear things that are hurtful. We don't have to let our minds give way to thinking about things in a wrong and vicious fashion. We don't have to do these things. And here's a good one. We don't have to let our legs and feet lead us into places that we shouldn't be. We don't have to sin. Somebody say, I don't have to sin. The power of the one who raised Jesus from the dead has given me the power to overcome this. And I can walk in the Spirit. Pretty much most of the time. <laughs> Amen? I can't all the time. 
Let me close this little story and we'll, we'll move on. At the close of World War II, there was a picture that appeared in a magazine showing a soldier in conflict with a tank. It was in color and it showed a tremendously huge army tank bearing down on the tiny figure of the soldier about to crush him. How frightened he was as this massive tank was about to overwhelm him. The picture was designed to show the odds involved when a foot soldier with a rifle faced a tank. Then it showed what happened to that soldier's odds when the bazooka was invented. It showed him standing with the bazooka in his hands. It was the same soldier, but he had a different weapon. And the next picture showed the tank shrunken in size with the soldier at least equal in size, if not a little larger. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. Without the Spirit and without living in the Spirit, if you're living according to the flesh, you're like the soldier in front of that gigantic tank. When you get yourself to where you need to be, when you're praying, you're spending time in God, you've just now picked up a different weapon. And all this comes down to this. And you're the one that can, you're the victorious one. You're, right? What did David deal with when he dealt with Goliath? Little teenage boy. Remember, he wasn't a grown man. He was a teenager. Defeated a nine-foot-nine giant. True story, amen? With two rocks, five stones out of a little pond or a little creek, he took two of them, and the Holy Spirit directed those and planted that one in that guy's forehead, and then he went, bam, down he went, amen? So we have the victory. We have the ability. It's so awesome. I love stuff like that. <laughs> amen? So we can live as God intended us to live. We have such an opportunity to live in such great victory and such joy and such overcoming ability if we live in the Spirit and we live according to the Spirit. This is what Paul's describing, how we might live dead to us and alive to Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us. Come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.